This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about the Docker volume plugin and NetApp's Trident Orchestrator with Andrew Sullivan. He's here. Who's that guy? Chaka, 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 gone. Chaka, gone. Chaka, gone. Chaka, gone. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. In the studio with me today is none other than Andrew Sullivan. That's right. This is what two times, three times in a row. Once, twice, three times a Sully. I, you know, I'm going to break the string here in the near future. Not present today is Glenn Sizemore, who is on PTO. I guess you know work-life balance, saving your family. I don't know, whatever. It's technically <laughs> spring break here. Oh in yeah, North it is spring Carolina. break. Yeah. Um, but I, don't, I have a three-year-old that doesn't really work for me. So uh, the spring break is why Delta was blaming all of the delays that took me an extra 24 hours to get home last week. Without further ado, let's 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 cue the music here. You ready for this? Yeah. This is none other than Shaka Khan. Wait for it. Wait for it. Hold on. All right, enough of that. All right, that was uh, ShockerCon, and the reason why I played that is because it sounds like DockerCon, and that's coming up soon, and we have none other than Andrew Sullivan here to talk about it. That's right. That was a, a little bit of reminiscing when Kelsey used to help us with DockerCon, and yes. every time she would refer to it as ShockerCon. Yes, and it's a tribute to Kelsey. Kelsey Cook. Indeed. Pour one out for you. Uh, so Andrew is going to DockerCon, um, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what he'll be doing there and what DockerCon is. Oh, not just Andrew is going to DockerCon. I think we're going to have close to 20 people at DockerCon. Well, I didn't say that you were the only one. I just, I'm just i referring to you because you're the only one in the studio going to it, and I'll be here uh, sipping on coffee and writing TRs and all the fun stuff. Fair anyway. enough. But yes, tell us all about who is going to DockerCon and what you'll be doing there. Yeah, so DockerCon this year is... The largest event that we have participated with, well, the largest DockerCon that we have participated with, as well as being the largest presence that we have had. So DockerCon, as you would expect, continues to grow in size. NetApp is a gold sponsor this year, so we have a booth, but we also have a full contingent of people from basically all three major storage product lines being there. Ranging from marketing people, right, we can kind of ignore them, right, lowly TMEs like myself, uh, we also have product management, we even have a good number of the engineers going. So if anybody's listening, if you happen to be at DockerCon, stop by the booth, you can talk to people like Mr. Jonathan Rippey, the guy who wrote a good chunk of the NDVP code, right, we'll have a bunch of our other QA and, and miscellaneous other people there as well. So fantastic way to meet with those guys, to ask questions, to get clarification, and I would be remiss if I did not talk about our VIP program, right, where you can come and request a meeting, have meetings with all kinds of people, again, least of all myself, but we also have a bunch of directors and other people where you can find out what NetApp is doing, both in the containers space, the containers ecosystem, as well as kind of across the board. Do you happen to know where your booth will be located? On the expo floor. Just somewhere, just walk around till you find it? 
Hang on, I can tell you. Slacker. Where is, I know. So where is DockerCon going to be this so year? DockerCon is in Austin this year. Oh, so like last year? Uh, no, that was OpenStack Summit. That was oh. Aren't they Austin the same thing? No, they are not. <laughs> they are similarly timed this year. Yeah. Uh, so next week I will be at DockerCon. The week after that I will be doing customer visits. And then the week after that I will be at Red Hat Summit in Boston. And then the following week, so that's the first week of May, the following week, the second week of May is OpenStack Summit, also in Boston. So what you're telling me is you're going to not be here. No, I'm going to see if I can get tickets to visit, like, uh, Sam Adams Brewery or something like that. Yeah, but but you're not going to be doing podcasts, I take it. Correct. I told you I was breaking the string. That's good. We'll have an increased quality of podcasts the next few weeks. Exactly. That's that's my goal. I'm, I'm here to help the overall cause. I appreciate that. So did you find out your booth location? We are in booth G24. All right. G24. Bingo. So the the map that I have, it is, yes, that is correct. That's the bingo. So the map that I have shows it as being in the back left corner. So back right next to the big Docker booth, actually. All right, excellent. You'll be right next to the Docker booth doing some Docker things, containerizing the things, all the things. All the things. So we'll have lots of socks, right, with the new Code On logo. We'll have lots of stickers. Are they we'll sockers? Have... Docker sockers? No. No? No. They're, they're NetApp. They're the NetApp code on socks. Oh, yeah. Code on, bro. Yeah. Why can't we do code on, bro? That'd be awesome. Bra. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Docker, uh, Andrew's also here because we couldn't find anybody else this week. Uh, Andrew's also here to talk about the Docker volume plugin. We had a new release this week of that, as well as Trident. So, Andrew, if you could tell us a little bit about what's included in the new Docker volume plugin. I thought I was here because you kicked me off and I was coming back as a guest. Uh, yeah, sure. You've actually been replaced. Um, <laughs> I won't tell you who. Actually, I'll tell you who. It's actually that that cup. Is it the inanimate carbon rod? It's that know. cup of coffee that we've replaced you with. It has more energy than you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so last week, uh, so the week of the 7th, I believe, the day of the 7th, we released two really, uh, really big things for us. The first one being a new version of NDVP, the NetApp Docker Volume Plugin. So the first thing that you'll notice about the new uh, the new release is a different naming scheme. Uh, it's still called the NetApp Docker Volume Plugin, but rather than being a version one, version two, version three, it is version 17.04. 17 representing the year, of course, 04 representing the month. So our goal here is to change to, well, a more predictable release cycle. So the expectation is that we'll have quarterly major releases. So you'll see a 17.06, for example, or 07, depending on when the timing works out. And then we will also have a third identifier in there. So for example, you may see a 17.04.1.2.3 as time goes on. So those dot dot releases are either bug fixes or sometimes we'll be pushing new features into a beta-like status. But ultimately, particularly if you're doing something like launching NDVP using the managed plugin ecosystem, right? So Docker plugin install, as long as you always use the 17.04 or 17.06 or whatever the next one happens to be, it'll always pull the latest of those dot releases. So in 100 years, you're screwed. I mean, 2117 is going to be a release that you have to just name something entirely different. You know, nobody would ever need more than 64K of RAM, so I'm going to take that risk. Hey, you take that risk. Time, times Things don't change that much over 100 years. You know, I mean, come on. You're, the Y2K bug wasn't a bug. Have you upgraded your cotton gin? I can't, I can't look at you straight-faced right now. 
<sighs> so among the other actual improvements, aside from just changing the naming scheme, uh, really the focus with NDVP for this particular release was around consistency. Uh, so anybody who is using NDVP across platforms would have noticed that things like, well, specifying the size of the volume was inconsistent. Right? You could specify no unit and it would produce it in gigabytes. You could produce or you could specify a giga or gibby right, type of unit. So base 10, base 2. Uh, with Solid Fire, there was no units. It was always base 2 gigabytes, right, gibby. Uh, so what we did was basically standardize all of that as well as provide the ability to do a default. So the default default is still one gigabyte, but the administrator can specify that the default, if no size is provided, can be something else as well. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna dumb it down a little bit. Let's talk about base two versus base ten because this this actually gets confusing for people because when you start talking about Gibby and GB, it gets all muddled. So Gibby is GIB, right? Yeah. G little IB, and then GB is gigabytes. And when you're dealing with base 2 versus base 10, that's, you know, 1024 versus 1000, right? Correct. Yeah, so most of the time, and we as consumers, right, and I, I'm lumping us as storage administrators and, and NetApp employees who are hopefully knowledgeable about this already, but anybody who isn't, right, when you go to the store, when you go online and order a laptop or anything like that, maybe you're going to buy a hard drive that is one terabyte in size, right, one trillion bytes. However... When you actually go to use that drive, it's going to be something like 930 gigabytes of usable space. This is because computers operate in base 2, binary, right? Whereas marketing operates in base marketing 10. Operates, exactly. Marketing operates in base 10 because it's a bigger number. Right? It is. I get more for less or less for more. So effectively, we standardize the units, right? The default is now to use the base 2. So... If you're using Docker Volume Plugin, you say Docker Volume Create with a size of 10, you will get 10 usable, usable gigabytes of space or megabytes or terabytes, whatever unit you specify. Do I have the option to go the other route? Is that, is that an option I can set or is it just always going to be? You can set it. You can, you can choose anything from bytes all the way up to yottabytes. If you want to request 0 .004 yottabytes of storage. Really? I haven't tested it, but it will probably work. Wow. That's a corner case, yeah, for sure. Turns out our engineers are thorough. Very thorough. Thorough. Very thorough. Docker volume plugin, anything else? Yeah, so I mentioned defaults, right? We can set the default for the, uh, the volume size if it's not specified. In order to help with really manageability, right, usability, we also gave the administrator the ability to specify any defaults that they want. Really, the key use case here is something like an export policy with NFS, and that previously, every time you created a volume using NFS, if you wanted to use something other than the default export policy, here I'm referring to default, the name default export policy, not a default configured export policy, right? If you wanted to use any other export policy, you had to specify it with every volume that was created as an option. Now we can specify that in the configuration file for the NDVP instance. So it's very, very easy for all of those volumes that get created to automatically receive that export policy. Can I do it in little groups? So if I have a segment of volumes, I want to have a specific export policy and then another segment, can I do it that way or is it all, all or nothing? So it's an all or nothing but a per NDVP basis, right? So since the host can have as many NDVPs running as you want, you can configure each one with a different export policy. Uh, so in the case of multi-tenancy, for example, uh, maybe I specify a particular export policy for group one, a different one for group two, a different one for group three, et cetera. 
Yeah, this also helps get around issues with access because sometimes people don't like to configure the default policy. They like to leave it empty so that no one can get access, or they use the default policy just for read-only access to traverse the file system. So if you set all your Docker volumes to the default policy, you would only get read access, and then everybody's trying to troubleshoot why nothing's working. Exactly. So this was definitely an, an important usability improvement. Did you pimp your Docker fl volume plugin? Little bling? I don't know what no. that means. No shiny Chrome. Does, wait, wait. Does bling mean additional logging? Yes, it then, does. Then yes, we did. <laughs> no, uh, so uh, again, kind of focused on usability enhancements. Uh, so just increasing the logging, making it easier to figure out what's going on the behind the scenes to help with troubleshooting, stuff like that. Uh, so easy stuff, uh, ultimately, right, for our users to take, ingest, figure out what's going on, right? If you need help, reach out to us via Slack, via GitHub, whatever that method happens to be, and it's super easy to get us that information as well. All right. Anything else? that it? That is it. That's it? Yeah. So, uh, uh, lame. What is it? I don't know when we're recording this, what day of the week it is, but by the time <laughs> this podcast goes out, there will be a blog post that talks about some of the highlights around the NDVP release. Where would I find that blog post? NetApp.io, of course. All right. The pub? Our beloved pub. All right. So Trident, what did we get there? Yeah. So Trident, very similar. We focused a lot on, well, the install process. Right. As we've gone through this process, as we've helped a couple of dozen different customers get this up and running, we discovered that while we understand the install process pretty well and the sometimes slightly obscure error messages, it wasn't always obvious to the customer, which means that they were having to reach back to us a lot. So we went through and made a lot of improvements to that logging, to what's coming out, to making the whole install process much easier, much cleaner, and hopefully less error prone. That being said, we understand that errors do happen. Sometimes things just go wrong. So we also improved the cleanup process so that when it does fail, you don't have to do nearly as much manual cleanup. It'll handle it all or as much as possible itself. That's it? No. <sighs> no. Okay, good. What else? So one of the biggest requests that we've had is with Trident, with ONTAP, it always requested a cluster scoped account. The reason for this is because of how Trident does storage properties. Right. I can go in and in my storage class, I can specify that I want to provision a volume on SATA drives. And in order to do that, Trident would look at the configured storage virtual machines, the aggregates that those storage virtual machines had access to, and then look at things like disk properties. Well, in order to look at disk properties, you have to have a cluster scoped account, not an SVM scoped account. So we made some modifications where you can now go in and define these types of things so that Trident can now operate with a storage virtual machine level account. So from a, an administrator perspective, right, storage admins are much, much happier about this type of uh, or this level of permissions than previously. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with the storage accounts, so you have one account that you log into with a cluster called admin, or you can create other accounts that have roles assigned. So you use something like role-based access controls or RBAC, uh, and you get to assign different levels of access depending on what you want people to do in the cluster. Some storage administrators are, are operating their cluster as a multi-tenant environment. So certain customers or certain groups only have their own dedicated SVMs, and they don't want necessarily everyone seeing the other group's SVMs. They don't want to have SVM envy, I guess. But anyway, um, so if you wanted to create SVM-specific accounts for permissions, you could do RBACs on those. But what Trident is essentially allowing you to do is use those specific SVM accounts to narrow down the scope of what you're trying to show. Absolutely. It makes it a lot 
just a lot more administrator friendly. Uh, us storage administrators, turns out we're kind of a, a paranoid group and we don't like giving out permissions that have more or accounts with more permissions than they absolutely Well, it's need. also security friendly, right? I mean, we're, we're being more secure here. We're actually operating in a true multi-tenant environment as opposed to forcing you to use the entire cluster scope. Absolutely. What else you got for me? Uh, so, I, you know, I saved the, the best for last. Oh. Right? E-series support. Trident now supports E-Series, so that is official. That is in the uh, in the upstream, or well, upstream. It has been published publicly, right? We had it internally for a little bit that we could, if somebody wanted it, they could request it. So the big holdup there, and the reason why we had not previously published it, even though it's been done for quite a while, is well, really, it was Kubernetes. So remember, Trident is a dynamic storage provisioner for Kubernetes. So uh, through the Kubernetes storage class concept, right, we define a provisioner with some sort of properties, right? The, the Kubernetes application, the user comes along and says, I need to request 10 gigabytes of storage that meets these properties. And Kubernetes asks Trident to provision that for us. So the reason why the holdup was is because, well, E-Series, we use iSCSI, and on tap we have NFS or iSCSI. And if you looked at the documentation previously, we recommended against using on tap or E-Series iSCSI. This was because of a bug in Kubernetes pre 1.6. In particular, it's in what happened when the persistent volume was released, when it was no longer being used by the containers. You see, Kubernetes would, it, it did not understand shared iSCSI sessions. So when the pod disconnected from that persistent volume, it would destroy the session. Well, if my host has other LUNs that are in use from that shared session, this is obviously bad. Uh, so we discovered that bug, we fixed it, it, submitted it upstream, it was accepted into 1.6. So roughly the beginning of last week, give or take a few days, uh, Kubernetes 1.6 was released, and there we go. So now we push the code upstream, you can now safely use ONTAP iSCSI as well as E-Series iSCSI. So SolidFire did not have this problem, they don't have shared iSCSI sessions. Ah, okay. That's the major, right, the biggest, most obvious things that got changed. The beauty of being an open source project, anybody can go in and can go look at the commit log so you can see all the way down to the individual, the actual code that was modified between versions. You can check out and look and see what all what all work we did. Will that NetApp IO blog cover this as well? Uh, so I will have a separate one for Trident. That's good. And, and that will be two more blogs than you've written for the podcast in the last year. I don't know what you're talking about. They all go out <laughs> under my name. I don't understand it. I don't know how that happens, magic. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else for us today regarding Kubernetes or Trident or Docker Volume plugin? Nope. Uh, again, biggest thing. So if if anybody will be at DockerCon, if you are a NetApp salesperson, sales team, you have customers who are going to DockerCon, send them our way. Be sure to uh, register them for VIP meetings. So we are more than happy to uh, talk, meet, discuss, give out swag, whatever it happens to be. So be sure to stop by. And then if you have any questions, any issues, any concerns, if you just want to tell Justin that he's terrible and do it in a medium that he's not already on, right, come to the Slack channels over at netapp.io. So it's a great way to interact with us. Yeah, I would never see that. Exactly. I'm not on those channels. Did you say DockerCon? I, I did say ShakaCon. I mean DockerCon. Oh, yeah. Yes, you did. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to learn more about Kubernetes and Trident, we actually had an episode 67 where we covered that in detail. 
All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, that's just you and me today, Andrew. But we're, we're the best two-thirds. Anyway, thanks for listening. The best two-thirds. Hmm. Debatable. All right. Oh, yeah. That guy. It's only one-third that's the best, but I'll let you figure out which third. <laughs> the one-third. We could, do, we could do a poll, a Twitter poll. I think we get at least ten responses with that. No. Is it just me? It'd be all eighteen guys. guys. It would be. Oh, yeah. And they'd all vote for it for Glenn. <laughs> Recency bias. That's all it is. He's not here. He's not here, so he gets all the love.